us, Jesus. King who reigns from a manger throne. Such humility to veil your glory in flesh. Born of a woman, living a perfect life, to die for our transgressions. Majesty revealed in such meekness and humility. And for that humility, your Father has highly exalted you and given you the name that is above every name. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it's our joy this morning. And now all of Advent to confess your name and to bow before you now help us not to wait we get to do it now because you're worthy Jesus thank you for your your humility we honor you with our praise ascribing it all to you. Now, Holy Spirit, work in our hearts as we begin to hear your word, as we begin Advent, preparing our hearts to look upon Christ, the Christ child in the manger. Help us to look once again And to see it anew. And to see something fresh. You have something for us this Christmas season. Help us to take hold of it. Help us to not miss it. So work in our hearts, Holy Spirit. Illuminate your word, convict us of sin, and enable us to obey your word. Give Pastor Rick boldness, wisdom, clarity, and a shepherd's heart to proclaim your word with authority, with firmness, but with tenderness as well. Pleading with us to see and savor our humble Savior in the manger. And Jesus, it's in your name that all God's people said, amen and amen. You can be seated as we continue in worship.
Let's begin our time with a word of prayer. Father, we come this morning all the different places. Some of us have heard this story where we celebrate your son's birth in a most unusual way over and over again. It's an old story. But God, when we sit back and we realize what you're saying, we're in awe. Father, we thank you for the way you love us. We thank you for the way that you pursue us. Lord, in our own ways, we run from you. So many times we think, well, our ways are better than yours. Our thoughts are higher than yours. Lord, we know that's not true. So this day, as we begin the Advent season, a season which celebrates your love for us, that you'd give us fresh eyes, that you'd give us a, a new perspective, that, God, you would be honored. Father, we ask that you would change our lives today. Our world's in a mess, our our neighborhoods are confused. Lord, we ask that you would encourage our hearts through your word today. That we would be convicted. That we would be challenged. That, that we would see you differently. Lord, we are grateful for all you've done. We're grateful for all the other churches in the area that are meeting today who are proclaiming your name, who are sharing good news, who are preaching from your word, and where people, the flock, are being transformed. We pray for new hope and for heritage around Lake Beach and for fierce. We pray for those flocks. We pray, Lord, that as we interact with folks from Lake County, that you would be glorified. I thank you, Father, for all of our kids, all of our kids' workers downstairs, as they're hearing good news, as they're hearing scripture verses, as they're singing songs. I pray, God, that their lives would be changed. And for our world, Lord, our world all over the globe is, well, in some ways celebrating your birth. In other ways, there's turmoil, there's conflict, there's wars. Father, it's hard to celebrate when we see all the injustice and all the cruelty Lord, help us represent you well and trust you as you bring people, multitudes to yourself. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.
At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. I welcome you to Crosspoint Church as we begin to celebrate, well, the birth of Jesus. This is the beginning, the story, um, a Christmas story, which we all love to hear. Many of you know that much has already happened in Mary and Joseph's life when we get to this place in the story. You probably can imagine a young pregnant teenager just about to give birth to her firstborn sitting on a donkey with her young husband walking next to her for 90 miles. <laughs> Maybe you can't. Who would make such a trip? Well, according to the scriptures, Joseph would. Joseph, a young, obedient man. Joseph was submissive both to God and to Rome. But have you ever thought about what it was like leading up to this journey? I do thank the skit guys who gave us a play-by-play of what happened before the trip to Bethlehem. Now we know a few things, right? We know the donkey's name was Delilah, and she had attitude. We also know Joseph was a donkey whisperer. Yes, uh, in case you don't know, they did take some poetic license. But the sketch helps us understand there is so much more going on. There had to be more questions than answers. This was all very new to them, this young couple. New to their family. Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. It's not Joseph. It's God that arranged this. What was the family to think? What was Joseph to think? And and then even as the word got out to the world, like, are you telling me what? Mary, come on. We weren't born yesterday. But if you're familiar with the scriptures, God's ways and plans are often different different than ours. Uh, for example, I'm pretty, it's pretty clear that Moses didn't expect a bush to talk to him. It was new, you know? I'm pretty sure there isn't any doubt that Daniel was grateful to God when he landed in a den of hungry lions and nothing happened. I'm pretty sure Mary, on a stroll one day, never expected to meet an angel. And hear these words. You are favored by God, Mary. 
<laughs> and you will become pregnant with God's son. And now if we look at Joseph, Joseph, well, God's communication to Joseph was through a dream. Now many of you have dreams. Some of them seem quite real. So what makes Joseph believe this is a dream? Well, actually from God. It isn't what he ate at night. It wasn't a fear that was coming up. Wow. Well, the difference was Joseph had faith. He chose to believe God in his unbelievable plan. Oh, it would cost Joseph to obey, actually for the rest of his life. Not sure he would ever shed the reputation. He chose to obey God, and in doing so, modeled for us the faith and the joy of obedience. In fact, by the end of this message, I hope you're inspired by Joseph's courage. I hope we all can learn from Joseph. First thing I'd like you to think about and and to remember is that Joseph obeyed God in difficult times. Oftentimes, it's easy to obey God when it doesn't cost us anything. We all struggle to obey or to submit to anyone. We love doing what we want to do when we want to do it. We all have this little voice inside of us telling us that we're smarter and wiser and stronger than anyone else. And the voice also says, why shouldn't I listen to me? Well, there are times when we're wiser than others in the room. But we are never, never, never wiser than God. His words always trump our logic and wisdom. Now back to the story. In the first century, not much could have been worse for a young Jewish woman to be pregnant out of wedlock other than the fact that God was responsible for the pregnancy. Who would believe this? Joseph didn't even believe this at first. What would people say? This has never, ever happened before. So actually, Joseph clearly understood the situation and came up with a plan. It was a benevolent plan. It was one any righteous man would do. So if you open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to start reading at verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. And so here's his plan. And did not want to disgrace her publicly. 
So he decided to break the engagement quietly. We're not going to make a big deal of this. I'm not going to take you to, well, the synagogue and have you stoned, which would be my right. We're going to do this honorably. I'm just going to make sure you're taken care of and you'll be fine. Now, that sounds great. And actually, in that culture, this would have been so very, very gracious and kind. But the problem was, this was not God's plan. And so God had to meet and share and talk with Joseph. Let's continue to read verse 20 in Matthew chapter 1. As he, or as Joseph, considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, I just want to pause. Not sure you've had nightmares. Not sure you've had dreams that are so real. And, and you get up and you're, you're absolutely discombobulated and, and feel like you're right there. But then reality hits you. Joseph was told by an angel through a dream everything that Mary has told you is true. Listen to the next line. And if you underline your Bible, I would underline this part. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. He continued this. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. God asked Joseph to obey in the most difficult of circumstances. And, God, and Joseph chose to obey God or trust God even when God's plan didn't make sense and would cost him dearly, mostly in his reputation. Now, let's just look at this again. If you think about it, no one had to know about the dream. And no one would blame him if he wanted to distance himself from Mary. But that's not what Joseph did. Joseph was a man of integrity and listened to God. I stop here and and question. God's not asking me to hop on a donkey or to walk next to Mary for 90 miles. But he is asking me, every time I pick up his precious word, to trust 
and obey him no matter how hard the journey, no matter what he is saying, that God's way is best. Joseph also obeyed God in distant places. Now we're going to, in this, at least in message today, we're going to have three visits from angels, all in dreams. We've already noticed and focused on dream number one. But dream number two happens about two years later after the visit from the wise men or the magi. If you turn your Bibles in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. We'll start there. Matthew 2, 13. So the wise men have come. The wise men have given their gifts. And this is where 13 comes in. After the wise men were gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. So the wise men give three gifts, three costly gifts, gifts that you normally would give a king. And they leave. That night, the Bible says an angel again came to Joseph and says, Joseph, I want you to take your family. I want you to flee to Egypt. And I want you to stay there until I tell you to leave. Not much else. Now, Egypt was a foreign country and not a safe place. But it was safer than Israel. As we're going to learn, evil King Herod would soon deliver the edict to kill all baby boys who were two years old or younger, simply because he was outsmarted by the wise men, and he wanted to make sure that there was no competition, this king of the Jews. So what we'll do, we'll kill every boy two years old and younger. So God was protecting his son and his parents by telling Joseph, get up, leave, go to Egypt. Now, we're not exactly sure, and most commentators aren't sure, but most scholars think that probably Joseph, Mary, and Jesus lived two to three years in Egypt. Now, this couldn't have been easy. They lived as refugees and probably on the means of the Magi's gifts. They could have been sold. They could have been used to live on. But God told them to leave. God provided for their trip. But it cost Joseph again. It cost Joseph and Mary. Egypt, although was close, was uncomfortable. A a new culture, a new language, new scenarios, new situation. But God says, hey, I want you to go. You go. 
they had to feel isolated. There was a lack of family, which at least in the first century was so critical as you raised children and family. There was a lack of biblical community. It wasn't like there was a local synagogue on the corner. Yet God was with this young family. How how cool is that? Now, another thing that you may not even have thought about, but Joseph wasn't given an end time. He said, just stay there until I tell you to leave. So, would it be a month, God? Well, would it be two months? Do I settle down? Do I look for work? Uh, God, how long until we stay here? We don't necessarily like it here. So what about it, God? They waited in Egypt, not knowing when God would redirect. But God was using this time, and God was refining them at this time. So that eventually we find out that Joseph continued obeying God in his daily life. In his daily life. Joseph and Mary were waiting. And Joseph then had another dream. Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 19. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel. Because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up. Do you see this pattern? God says something, realizes it's going to be uncomfortable, it's going to be difficult, it's not always the easiest thing. But the next line is, Joseph listened, Joseph got up, Joseph left for Egypt. So here, so Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. That sounds familiar, right? This fulfilled what the prophets had said, he will be called a Nazarene. Now, The best we can figure out, it sounds like they were going to settle in Judea. But God led them back to their hometown of Nazareth. Now, I don't know this, but I would sense that probably would be difficult. After all, they had left that place. The reputation was out. Mary had shared, yet yes, she was pregnant, but that God was responsible probably didn't make sense to a lot of people in Nazareth. Joseph seemed to cover up her problems, but Joseph knew what Mary said was right. So going back home probably would have been hard because family was there, but did they ever really believe Mary and Joseph? And, and what about 
All the friends, all the people. It's a small town. So I think it was hard for both of them because of family and their personal reputation. I also think it was hard because of the city's reputation. And we know this from other literature. But the term Nazarene had long been a term of derision. It used to describe any person who was rough and rude. It's kind of like saying, hey, let's go live in a rough part of town. People would look at you and say, whoa, 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 whoa. what are you going to do that for? They're safer places. You, You don't have to go there. But they chose to go there. God used evil. Archelaus, to alter Joseph's plans. We learn, at least from history, that he was a worse tyrant than his father, King Herod. Archelaus, one of the first things he did when he became king was kill 3,000 prominent citizens, well, because he felt like it. So God gives Joseph a dream and says, I want you to go back to Israel. Joseph, according to the scriptures, was thinking about Judea. But God knew that he needed to live in Nazareth to fulfill prophecy. Now, it might be interesting, especially to some of you scholars, that if you search, if you go back in the Old Testament, you actually will never find a text that talks about Jesus growing up in Nazareth or being called the Nazarene. Yet it seems that several prophets had made this prediction, though it wasn't recorded in the Old Testament. So Joseph heard God and responded again. Hearing God's word is good, but obeying it is key to dealing with the storms of life. You know, if we're honest, we get sidetracked or or too busy to hear and listen to God's word. Sometimes we read the scriptures in order to get knowledge. Sometimes we read the scriptures in order to be proof texts. We forget that this is a letter written by the Almighty God himself to each one of us. And as we open up this book, and as we read these scriptures that the Holy Spirit teaches us, and convicts us, and encourages us. In fact, later on, and we just spent time um, actually uh, in the beginning of this year looking at the Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus said this about his words in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. So if you have your Bibles, just a little bit further. And this is what Jesus says as he ends his Sermon on the Mount, the longest recorded sermon that we have of Jesus. He says this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock or a good foundation. 
Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock or a firm foundation. But anyone who hears my teaching, Jesus says, and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. You know, it's interesting when Jesus was talking about this, he shared with us that his word is reliable. His word can be obeyed. His word ought to be listened to. Because when storms come, not even if, that you will need to understand what God's truth is. You will need to understand what God is teaching you and what God is teaching me. Jesus was simply saying, don't take God's words lightly. Be intentional. Now again, we're closing out another year. And so many times when we get to this point, as we get closer to January 1st, we start evaluating our past year. We, we look at some areas we've grown in. We look in some areas that we haven't done so well in. And you make resolutions or you make promises or you talk with someone and, and you say, whoa, I'd like to lose some more weight. I'd like to read some more books. I'd like to learn about, and you have all these different goals and aspirations. Sometimes and many times for believers, hey, I'd like to read through the scriptures. Maybe I'd like to read through the Bible this year. Or I'd like to and study a little bit. Now my encouragement is this, is that if for some reason life's been too busy, and although you've even read the scriptures and you've checked all the boxes, you may not be listening. You may not be hearing. You may be forgetting that the purpose of this love letter is to be able to help us understand life and withstand the storms and the pressures. The only way this happens is if you're intentional. That's all. Is that you spend time. You put it in your calendar. Maybe you even do something like this and say, hey, I'm just going to read until the Holy Spirit pricks my own heart. Convicts me about something. Or I'm, I'm going to read until I learn something new about who God is. Or maybe he'll reveal a sin. Or an action. Maybe certain people will come to mind. Certain convictions will happen. And we have choices. Do I want to listen to you, Lord? It doesn't make sense really to forgive that person. I mean, do you believe what he did to me? What she did to me? What she said about me? 
why would I forgive? (laughs) You're telling me to forgive? God, are you sure? That's way too hard. I'll look soft. I'll look like the weak person, God. Why would I do that? And you read, and you have a choice. Do I do the easy thing? No one's going to really know that I read this word. No one's really going to know that I was convicted by this, right? I, I don't have to let anybody know. It's like Joseph didn't have to. But he obeyed. He didn't take God's word lightly. In fact, as we look at the scriptures. Let us all be wise by making listening and obedience a priority. I do hope every one of you read through the scriptures this next year. But more than that, I am hoping that as you open this book, whether you only get through one book or one chapter, that you listen to what God's saying. That you're courageous enough to obey. And that you're intentional. The only way that happens is if you make it a priority. You know, God still reigns. He still is king. And can use the Archelaus's or other people in our lives to guide us and to direct us. I can imagine that Joseph said, are you kidding me? I've been wanting to go back to Judea like forever. God, do you really want me to go up to Bethlehem? You really want me to go back to my family? God, isn't there another place, another situation? God, are you sure? (laughs) All I know is this, is that when Joseph heard something, he said, okay. He said, I'll do that. I'll leave. I'll do what you want me to do. Joseph walked with God. He heard God. He listened to God. He obeyed God. And you know what's interesting? If you read through the rest of the scriptures, we don't even know what happened to Joseph. There's not a lot written about Joseph. But what we do know about Joseph is that while he was alive, he listened and obeyed. You know, Joseph did inspire me as I spent time in the text this last week. Joseph showed me the importance of walking with God, of being intentional, of listening and responding quickly, not in my own time. In fact, it also brought me to a place where I was thanking God for his companionship. Thanking God for the opportunity to 
call him my father. There might be even some here that aren't part of God's family. I can't even imagine living life without having God as my father, about having God as my friend, about going to God and asking him for strength and wisdom for the day. That's why Jesus came to not only teach us and show us who God is, but to be our perfect sacrifice, to pay the debt for our sin, to satisfy God's wrath on the cross so that we might be redeemed, that we might have an opportunity to have relationship and to learn and to obey. Joseph inspired me by showing me the importance of faith. Obeying when not all things, well, seem to come together or even make sense. Why should I go to Egypt? Why should I continually hang out with Mary? I mean, this just doesn't make sense, God. I didn't sign up for this. God says, yeah, you did. And if you listen to me, yeah, it's going to be rough. But you'll never regret obeying me. And I think lastly, Joseph inspired me by showing me the cost of faith. I guarantee that if you listen to God, you're going to have less time for yourself. You'll have less money to spend on yourself. You'll be focused more on others rather than hoping that people focus on you. Guarantee it. But you know, someday that if you and I listen to our God and we stand before him, <laughs> it'll be so amazing. Good job. I, I know you didn't understand everything. I know it was hard to listen and to follow me. But you know what? I knew what was coming up. I knew what I needed. You were part of my plan. Well done, my faithful servant. You hit the ball out of the park. Whoa. Wouldn't that be amazing? And then... Spend the rest of eternity. <laughs> well, you know what that is. I, I, I've been using the term the next million years. I, I'm not even sure I know what that is. But a long time. Enjoying God. Enjoying his presence. Enjoying the kingdom we were made for. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Joseph. I thank you that your plan was so crazy, so out of the box, but you found two people on this planet that would say, yes. I'm going to listen to you no matter what it costs. I'm going to obey you 
I know this is going to look foolish and sound foolish to everybody else. But God, I'm going to listen to you because you are my good, good father. Lord, would we get to that place of coming to faith, putting our trust in you so that we can be part of your family. And once we're part of your family, God, that we would listen, that our response as we open up your word daily, as we learn from you every single day, yes, God, I'm going to do that. I'm going to listen to you. I know it'll cost. I do. But I also know that there's nothing more than I want than this. So, Lord, we are so grateful you came. We are so grateful that you provided for us an example And that you were our sacrifice. We sing, Lord, come thou long-expected Jesus. Back in the first century, they, they were waiting for the Messiah and you came. We, God, have seen the benefits of the Messiah coming. We are so grateful for your love and your sacrifice. And pray, God, that we will continue to walk and obey you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Let's stand.